It's time for Peer Pressure. Today's guest is Blake Harrison of Pig Destroyer and Hate Beak. Blake will discuss things like how he joined Pig Destroyer. Hate Beak, the concept of Hate Beak and Waldo. The parrot. And his flap with Entertainment Weekly. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast. And thanks to Liz Berg for all the other podcast work. We're WFMU. Stay tuned. Blake, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, sir. How's it going? Uh, very good. Welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Um, I would like to, to, if you could, get the listeners up to speed as to a little bit of background on yourself and uh, what you've got going on now. Um, well, see, I play Noise and Samples and General Just Chaos and Pig Destroyer. And um, I'm also kind of known as the... Uh, the weirdo that, that kind of does hate beak from here and there. Yes, um, you are. Really from here and there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I, you know, when we first did hate beak, it was kind of we didn't want people to know who was in it, and I guess over the years it's kind of been figured out. Even uh, Pictures Wikipedia page references that I do the hate beak stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, we haven't done a lot of that recently. So there may be a full length that comes out before I die. Oh. Good and and yeah. uh, how old is the uh, the the foul uh, member of that band? Uh, Waldo is now, um, I guess it was it's probably about twelve, okay. um, which is pretty young for an African gray. It looked to be about fifty or sixty, so is, he's pretty young. Is Waldo fact, your? He, no, no, it's a friend of mine's actually, mm-hmm. but uh, he's actually so young we're not sure if it's a he or a she. Oh. I don't know anything about the maturation of African greys. Honestly, neither have I. So. <laughs> How did the um, the idea of Hate Beat come about? It just kind of uh, happened as um, me and uh, a lot of my friends uh, used to play in this power violence band from the Baltimore area called Daybreak. And we used to come up with like kind of the joke, fake band names. And obviously, the more ridiculous the concept, the better. Um, and I had the idea of a parrot singing for a band because it can mimic so well. And, and you know, what's the difference between Chris Barnes and some a parrot mimicking? <laughs> it's not a lot. <laughs> um, so the when we came up with the name, us. which is Haybeak, uh, and the logo kind of fit right in with the Haybeak logo, it was just, okay, that's cool. And then I was between bands uh, before I was after Daybreak and before I was in Triac. Um, and we kind of went from there and just kind of recorded it. Uh, just kind of spent some time in my buddy's home studio, uh, the other guy from the band. And we did that, and Chris from Reptilian put it out, and it kind of took off, pardon the pun. And that's <laughs> basically how it happened. That's, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant idea. <laughs> and, and, the, and then uh, you did a split, Hate Beak did a split with Caninus. Yep. The, uh, the, the, the Pitbull fronted. R.I.P. Basil, who died yes. recently last year, one of the uh, front dogs. Not them. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was Chris's brainchild. He was like, you know, why aren't we doing this? And I was like, I don't know. So we, uh, you know, again, Hate Peak never really was intended to be anything real. It was all kind of machismo and us talking trash when we did interviews about how we were raising extreme music to the next level and <laughs> such and such. And, you know, there's pictures out there that aren't us, and there's, you know, we, we never really put our names on the records. 
and then when we kind of started to get a little more attention, um, we took it a little bit more seriously, like the writing and stuff like that. Uh, so we did the split with Canis, and it was, you know, it's one for the record books, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's a great. It is a great idea, and I think that you know, there's something about being really creative when you have no intention of making money or anything like that. And, uh, I mean, those records are awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had no intention of doing anything with it. Uh, when I went to the UK with Pig Destroyer for the first time, a lot of people were interviewing me almost as much as they were interviewing them. Really? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I got in, a lot of people got in touch with me and was like, hey, you're going with the band. We want to talk to you. And I, you know, I just kind of took it as a joke and did what I, you know, what I could. You know, I turned down Entertainment Weekly because my idea was no house foul and I was going to be reading Entertainment Weekly and be like, oh, that's not available to parrot for a singer. Great, I'll buy that on. <laughs> you know? That's so funny. So I, I turned them down and they actually got pretty snotty back. Really? Like, Yeah, they were like, you know, we're Entertainment Weekly, dude. And I was like, I don't care. Wow. Well, I mean... You know, did you have, I mean, like you said, it was a made-up thing, so you didn't have any aspirations about getting into any kind of mainstream media anyway. No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, so it's a surprise, and you told them no. Yeah, basically told them to go pound sand, and they, they were shocked. I guess, you know, every time we come knocking, you answer. Oh, well, oh, well. Well, it, that's interesting. And uh, what about Pig Destroyer and Entertainment Weekly? <laughs> I would love that. That's that's a little different. Um, <laughs> we do take that band a little more seriously, although we do like that fun. Mm-hmm. Contrary to what most people would probably think about our band, um, if you read any real interview or see any footage of us doing interviews, we basically just kind of tackle each other. We uh, did a uh, Scott and I did an interview for a guitar player in L.A., and we were so drunk and not talking about what they wanted us to talk about that they it was completely unusable. Oh, good. And, well, and the next day they were uh, they wanted us to do a phone interview. We're like, no, <laughs> we're sorry. We did last night when it was there. Well, good. I should I should thank you even more then for for being on point so far for at least the first five minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, if it goes south, you know we can just all go to the music. So it's all good. <laughs> So, um, what is going on with Pig Destroyer right now? Um, recently, we, uh, we've been taking a lot of time off because we're both studio in our practice space. And we had some issues with our previous drummer, which is Brian Harvey, and we got rid of him. Um, so, we had Dave Whitty from Municipal Ace, his crew in Pakistan. Oh, wow. Uh, that didn't really work out so well. Uh, Dave's a great guy and a great friend of ours. But it was a lot of scheduling conflicts and et cetera, et cetera, which is well, he's extremely busy. And yes, he is very busy. Um, so we picked up Adam Jarvis from Misery Index. And are you still on the relapse label? Yep, this is our last record for relapse. Uh, currently, uh, under the current contract, mm-hmm. but uh, we're probably going to stay. Got it. And um, how did you get? Uh brought into the fold of uh, Pig Destroyer, because I know that you're not an original member, and I guess that you were added, not replacing anybody. Is that true? Right, right. Um, I have been with Pig Destroyer for years and years, um, as far as, like, a fan and a friend of the band. Um, 
you know, I've probably seen there maybe a handful of shows I've never been to. Um, and we did a tour with Wolf Eyes and White House. Wow. Which is kind of out of our genre. Oh, but that and, sounds amazing, though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But we did a brief tour, you know, a three-day tour for Picture Stories with Thor. So we kind of were just kind of talking about it in the van and wanted to add a new member that did, like, noise and samples and things like that. Because the sky's kind of limit. You can kind of take that any direction you want to. Mm-hmm. So the logical choice in their eyes was me, which I was completely flattered. And, you know, not really, aside from being a fan of some sort of, like, Marsh noise and some, like, ambient music, I, I wouldn't say that I ever was, like, a practicing musician of that genre before that. Um, but the guys go along with me, and we knew we could work together both artistically and, and friend-wise. But there would be no real conflict as far as personality goes. So they said, do you want to do this? And I was like, of course. And that's kind of how it happened. So then in terms of, like, the gear that you use and, and um, where your noises come from, was that sort of like a band suggestion thing, or did you just it, go it, shopping? It a little of both. It's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So you may see me at one show with one rig and then the next show uh, at another with a completely different setup. Um, aside from the sampler, which is, you know, most, mostly, like, movie quotes and stuff like that that I blend in, it's, it's kind of a difficult place to be live because I don't want to step over all the old song that right. didn't really have my presence on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, it's very interesting. You know, there's a lot of kids that love me and a lot of kids that hate me. And <laughs> I could care less. I get to travel the world and play music with my best friends. So. Damn those kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do, do you find that now sort of being the noise guy um, that you listen to things differently? Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any yeah. example that you can that sort of comes to mind? Uh, when I watch a movie, it's very uh, dialogue sticks out in my head a little more, pacing, cadence, um, tone, voice, mm-hmm. the way things are delivered. In fact, I typically like movies that are acted poorly because of the way the lines are delivered oh, nice. and how that would work out of context. <laughs> it's a difference, um, you know, like enunciating a, a word mid sentence in, in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I, I listen to a lot of things. You know, I'll, I'll hear a uh, uh, air conditioning droning and be like, wow, how to incorporate that? It's a very weak sounding. Record it and kind of, you know, mix it in. Or sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very trial and error for me. And I know that there are a lot of people that are very brilliant that can do that and they know what they want, but I'm not like that. So then your, uh, your live shows are different for you all the time then? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a basic set that we do and it's mostly mapped out. Uh, but yes, it does change. And a synthesizer pedal that was built for me, and I intentionally put no markers on any of the knobs. And you know, if I set it up the wrong way, I don't know how it works. So it kind of makes me, yeah, yeah, yes. So yes, it's, it's basically the answer. There, there are differences every time. My guest is Blake Harrison of uh, Pig Destroyer. We'll be back in a little bit. Stay tuned. Oh, my God. 
And my guest is Blake Harrison. We are back. That was a set program from him. Um, we just heard Cattle Press. What do you want to say about that, Blake? Uh, Cattle Press is one of those bands, um, especially for your New York listeners that were from New York, it really had a profound effect on uh, both myself and the rest of Pegasus Dryer. Um, uh, Horace Hill Boss Divine is like light years ahead of any record. It's heavy, it's brutal, it's different. Uh, there's a total concept tied in. The band had been kicking around for years. Mm-hmm. The reason I played them was because I heard a rumor that Hydra had supposed to reissue their discography, uh, which would be great. Oh, wow. And uh, actually, they were in a band before that called I Abhor Her, yes. which was on the uh, Slappingham label, mm-hmm. the one seven inch, which was a uh, pretty municipal waste. Dave Witty played drums on that. Oh, did yeah. he? Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know that. I love There's that. There's only I three I Abhor Her songs, two on that seven inch and one on the Cry Now, Cry Later comp, I think. Mm. Wow. And then uh, before that, Misery Index. I had to give a, a plug to our new drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Adam Jarvis from Misery Nicks, also my Baltimore friends. Uh, great band. They recently moved to the uh, Season of Mist label. Uh, Adam Jarvis is now our drummer. And The Carrying Call is one of my favorite songs off that record. Yeah, great so. song. Super song. God, well, you do. And, and um, so you have, uh, obviously, uh, you're a music enthusiast, but you do have a, uh, a bit of DJing background, don't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jason from Misery Nicks and... I feel like I said Missouri Next way too many times in the segment, but uh, Jason from Missouri Next and I had a show called The Ultraviolence on XM, which was kind of what I'm doing with you, like uh, undiscovered, more obscure, hardcore, grindcore, death metal, uh, sludge, doom, mm-hmm. uh, anything that was really old that we thought kids nowadays should hear, or anything that uh, was underground that we didn't think was given enough attention. And there was really no format to it. It was mostly just us kind of drinking and hanging out. And the idea was you were in our living room and we were playing records for you. Nice. Um, nice. And we did that for about two years. Uh, it was a lot of fun while it lasted. But, uh, you know, we keep talking about maybe doing um, a podcast of it. But, you know, we're both kind of older and lazier at this point in our lives. So. <laughs> Say, um, no, just more occupied, not lazy. Could be. <laughs> and how long was the program? Was it a couple hours? or? It was two hours every Friday. Oh, cool. But we would still have the kids that would call in and be like, play some Pantera, damn it. <laughs> and, you know, that got a little discouraging after being on the air for two years. It was like, come on, man. You get that stuff all during the day. I mean, we were kind of like the Headbangers Ball of MTV. You know, like, Kiss and Warren were played all day, and we were playing the more obscure, underground, mm-hmm. hardcore stuff. Well, sometimes and that's a thankless job. Right. A, and, uh, you know, the kids would still call up and be like, you know, I want to hear the new machine head. I'm like, just wait an hour. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. You will. Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I would tell the DJ after me, like, hey, use the request we got that we didn't want to play. Yeah. They're probably stoked about that. Yeah. Especially that guy, because he didn't. I've never met a DJ less less knowledgeable about music than that guy. Oh, well, that certainly is not the case with you. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being here. We're going to go into our next set, which uh, starts off with uh, a song called Rocky Mountain Rescue. From Carp. Uh, I thought this was a little relevant because of the Carp. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is more relevant because of the Carp documentary, which just came out. Um, 
it's Jared Wine. He was now in good business, and he was in tight press from way back when. And I cannot remember his name, so I hope he's not listening. Uh, but <laughs> the drummer that was in Emergency Devils for a while. Um, that's big business. And Carp was a punk fam from the Olympia, Seattle area mm-hmm. that kind of changed when they heard the Melvins. And when you hear this, you'll definitely hear the Melvins influence. So it's a really great song. Our guest DJ today is Blake Harrison of Pig Destroyer. And here's some carp. Please stay tuned. And we are back. My guest is Blake Harrison of Pig Destroyer and Hatebeak. And uh, he is picking the tunes today. Yeah, I don't have my notes in front of me. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm drinking, I'm drinking wine, so. <laughs> yes, you heard it here first. Like, I'm thinking for drinking wine. <laughs> it's not always Jägermeister. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> Um, so, I'm in the metal band. What can you What can you expect? Right. Well, yes, nothing less. What is your your earliest memory of listening to music that really blew you away, or is it sort of maybe changed your trajectory in terms of um, what you were listening to and what made a difference to you? My earliest memory is uh, <laughs> uh, I have the Tiger by Survivor. Oh. Um, my brother, who's a couple years older than me, had that seven inch. Uh, or 45, as they called them back in the day. Yes, they did. And I remember as a young kid playing on my parents' record player, which was a big piece of furniture, and jumping around the couch just going completely nuts because it just had too much life and energy compared <laughs> to anything I'd ever heard, which probably was nothing. I mean, I may have been four years old, five years old. Mm-hmm. I'm really dating myself. <laughs> and, you know, in, in middle school, I got into... Metallica and Guns N' Roses still think appetite for destruction, the flawless record, uh, with the exception of the drumming. You know, and then I wanted something raw. I wanted something more punk and, and hardcore and heavier. And I got into a lot of, of early punk and hardcore and then death metal until I heard Napalm Death, Harmony Corruption. And that was the defining moment for me nice. when I realized, wow, this is something new and something different. And this is what I want to do. And so what actions did you take, like, with that thought, well, this is what I want to do. What did you do? <laughs> uh, I saw them fail the high school band. <laughs> um, you yeah, what? you know, I, I picked up the guitar. I was playing at the time. And, you know, wanted to start a band. But even in my high school, I grew up in rural Maryland. And there was a lot of kids that liked that type of stuff. What I call a kind of generic crash was even very understated where I grew up, like, you may have three or four kids that liked Metallica. And that was very, you know, they were huge at the time. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you don't realize it at then, but now you do. And there was a lot of kids that liked it. And I was the only kid in my high school that liked Gorilla Biscuits and would go record shopping in D.C. and in Baltimore, turn out records. And, you know, you would read bands' thank you lists. And if a band you liked, thank the band, you were more than likely taken up. Right. Yeah, and yeah. And that's how I found out about a lot of stuff. And through that, I met a lot of other people. And that's kind of how that spiraled into nothing after that. <laughs> and what was the uh, the first band you were in? Ooh. <laughs> Did we not talk about it? It was... Right. Uh, the first band you'd like to talk about. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we were called the Amy Dolan's Fan Club. Wow. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, named after... Mickey yes. Dolan's daughter, daughter yeah. who was in a couple movies, mm-hmm. um, one with Tony Danza, uh, <laughs> and we were very sonic youth. Uh, I played guitar and sang, you know, did the whole, like, uh, take motors and put them on my guitar and, like, bend my guitar necks and all kinds of stuff. 
and we may have played like three or four shows. Um, and then that band evolved into countless other bands that never did anything, and then I moved to Baltimore. <laughs> Nice. Do you ever use your, I don't even know how to, to word this, do you use your guitar in Pig Destroyer at all, see that you are a guitar mm, player? No. Um, yeah, when I was in track, I mean, I still, I, I wrote stuff guitar-wise for Hate Peak, and I never played guitar in track, but I would write some riffs here and there. Um, but no, uh, you know, I mean, we do all kind of have the input as far as song arrangements go. But, you know, Scott and Pig Destroyer is the one that comes up with all the riffs, and typically most of the drums. So that's kind of his domain. And, you know, we, we have input, but I, I wouldn't be as brazen as to say I write any of it. So I, when I you... would like to claim that. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would like to be, for people to think I have that much talent, but no. I know that you are a guitar player, so um, sitting there with effects pedals may or may not be all... <laughs> well, it may or may not be all that you do, so... Right. I just wanted to, uh, to get that out there. What's the recording process like? Because Scott has his own studio. We recently built a studio in Scott's uh, basement, which... Uh, is also where he does a lot of his mastering mm -hmm. uh, for visceral sound. No, no plug intended. But, uh, you know, we, we've been tracking so far. Most of the drums were written up before we got Adam. And Adam's, of course, allowed to, like, tweak things here and there and change stuff. So we've been recording the drums, and Scott will take his time and put his guitar tracks down. Usually two or three different tracks, some to get some of the sub in and to double some stuff that he needs. Uh, then Jerry will come and do his vocals, and then kind of a... Uh, I don't want to say the icing on the cake, but I, I'll, I'm like, uh, fitting my stuff in where it fits, seeing how it works. And, and it does take some time because some things don't necessarily work with certain tracks, but we don't want to necessarily ditch them. So because of the digital recording and digital media, it's easy for us to move stuff around regarding my stuff and kind of edit it accordingly. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. No, you totally okay. did. Because you had referenced before and said, like, when you were playing live, that you can't you don't want to necessarily step on other parts, um, you know, the other members of the band, especially on songs that, um, that you were not originally on recordings. And right. So I was just sort of wondering how that fits in the studio. And I would, I would guess that you would be the last layer. Um, yes. Yeah. Hey, so we're going to uh, go into our next DJ set. The next band, uh, Blake Harrison, guest DJ. Stay tuned. Blake, are you there? Yeah, how's it going? He is here. Well, thank you. <laughs> Just what kind of, what music, because this is all, um, your playlist is awesome. And uh, and, and thank, thank you. you. Thank you for, uh, for, for taking the time and for appearing and putting it together. Um, and, and for the most part, this is just, it's a murderous playlist. You know, it's just... <laughs> It's all in your face. What do you listen to to, like, chill out? <laughs> Angelo Balamente. Balamente, however you say. Um, he's the most, you know, most famous for doing soundtrack work for David Lynch. Oh, cool. Um, I like a lot of that stuff. Some of the, uh, more crony, uh, kind of old spaghetti western, uh, slash Italian horror film type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and believe it or not, you know, I like... Things as like way back as like Portishead, even though I guess it's a little more mainstream Radiohead. Uh, I'm a real big fan of Elliot Smith. Um, wow. Real big fan of Morrissey and the Smiths. Hall of Notes. Really? <laughs> Those types of things. Yeah. You're a Hall of Notes. I've seen Hall of Notes six times. You have. <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes it's a real man to it's admit that. It's a unique blend of rock and soul. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, know, uh, I'm a child of the 80s, so, yeah, you know, my guilty pleasures, I don't really find them guilty, but I like Fat Benatar, and I want to change it when it's on the radio. There you, you go. Know, 
Be proud. Be proud. That's okay. Are there any local bands that you support? Any Baltimore area bands that you wanted to um, to talk about? Absolutely. Um, there's a band that I used to be in years ago. They're still going strong. Called Triac, a uh, grindcore band. Mm-hmm. They're yes, much, friends of much FMU. Leaner, much nastier since yeah. I haven't been in it. Um, great bands, great dudes. Uh, there's a couple of rock bands, uh, Murder and Hollywood. I know not the most crude names on the planet, but just really kind of nasty, sloppy rock and roll. Cool. Uh, but it's still a great time, and, like, you, you feel it, you know? There's no, like, poof terror or posing. Anything else in the in the heavier vein in that in uh, Baltimore? Uh, yeah, there's a new band called Graven, which is members of the Sword of Lotus. I guess check them out oh, the other wow. night. Okay. Um, they were really impressive, really, really good. Uh, there's a band from members of Next Step Up. I don't know if anyone really... Remembers that their old Baltimore hardcore band called Bet the Devil. Uh, there was Pulling Teeth who recently broke up. Uh, very like integrity style hardcore. There's Trapped Under Ice, which is uh, your kind of more Jersey, New York style hardcore. Is that the pleasant way to put it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but sure. they're they're a great band. They're a lot of fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on, you know. And like I'm sure there is many other places. I just don't know about it. Right. So are you going to be going to Maryland Death Fest this year? Absolutely. You couldn't hold me back. Oh. King God Flesh. Yeah. King God Flesh again will be a real treat. I saw them on the uh, God's Grind Tour in 91. Wow. At the old 930 Club. And I thought my ears were going to bleed mm. when they played. And they were, it was really great. And they only did like six songs um, because I think three days later, there, or before, sorry, their uh, drum machine and kind of crapped out on them and they had bought one and programmed it so by the time they got down here they'd only gotten up to six songs oh so they were like learning to to get it programmed yeah they had to reprogram the song yeah yeah on the drum machine so it was I mean it was it was menacing it was that that tour was Napalm Death uh, Morbid Angel Mm. maybe Nocturnus I actually distinctly remember not liking Morbid Angel before that tour huh uh I'd heard them and they had keyboards, and I guess I just didn't really get it. When I saw a live, it just blew me away. Yeah, I'm also kind of looking forward to seeing more of the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, current, current record excluded, but I heard they're yeah. only playing two new songs, so. Well, that's probably a we'll, good thing. We'll see how it stands up. The band didn't have a logical ending. It was just like, wham, that, you know. Right, and if you're, you know, there's a lot of people here that think it's a bad idea because they're getting back together. And, you know, if that's not your thing, don't go see it. It's, yeah. It's not. It's exactly. Go, go. Yeah. And you should go. It'll be fun. Sure. I mean, the other yeah. living members are allowed to do what they want to do, you know. Right. I mean, how many other mainstream men have done that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Queen? Isn't Queen doing something? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Almost everybody. I like, think. I mean, that's that's way different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Because yeah. an Allison Chain store without Lane, Lane Staley and... Sepulter, who's even in Sepulter anymore? I yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Some but children. you know, people don't seem to mind that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing, you know. If you if you're not in that sort of thing, don't go. Right. Yeah. Everybody's got their. Everybody has something that annoys them or that like, oh, I really have to draw the line there. Well, okay, well, draw that line. Just, yeah. You know. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's, and I think it's great that Nausum <laughs> is uh, that Nausum is performing though. I think it's great. Yes, and they're playing Death Fest, so it's not like I'm 
You're not having too much outbound in playing shows, but they are playing death house. Yeah, yeah, that'll be very cool. Hey, and um, is there any um, anything that you want the listeners to know that we uh, that we haven't discussed before we go into your last set of music? Oof. Um, no, not really. Um, I would like to put my buddy's website, which is a bunch of old fanzines. He uh, cuts pages out, scans them. They're PDFs. You can download them. You can read them. However, you want to do it. That's and it's great. My stamps.org. I believe he is taking some missions if you want, um, but he's not asking for them. He's mm. got quite a library on his own. Can you tell and me that the website again? Because I didn't catch that. Like, send back your stamps. Send back my stamps. I'm sorry. Send back my stamps. dot org. Send back my stamps. dot um, org. Wow, that certainly brings back memories. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, people like you and I remember those days. Oh yeah. And it's just you know, it, it's it's interviews with autopsy and I mean you name it it's, it's all there mm. and it's easily searchable you can t- download the PDF read them on your own time you can download the whole magazine you can just read them there it's it's an amazing thing and I, and kind of shocking that it took this long for someone to actually do it right yeah yeah that's really cool that's a great idea yeah hmm. very nice and uh, and of course there's a Facebook page uh, for Pig Destroyer is it, what's it say, like the, the real pig destroyer or something? The real pig destroyer, all one word. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, guess there was a fake pig destroyer before. Copycat pig destroyers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, so cool. So, so thanks for catching us up on what's going on with pig destroyer and, of course, the history of hate beak, which is <laughs> far more important, you know, in, uh, in, in my eyes. And, uh, and thanks for putting in the work. You know, I know that no, doing these appearances love, is, you know, is... Your radio show is great, and I love being part of it. Well, yeah, and, and you know, you were here with Triac uh, a number of years ago playing live. A, so. number, a number of years ago, yeah. Yes, so um, you are... And nice. we've been in touch off and on. For, yeah. We've had yeah. Years, so. And you're a friend of FMU for uh, for quite a while. In, so fact, in fact, if anyone thinks that Diane is fake, <laughs> I run into her very frequently at festivals. And the last time, I think, was in France at Hellfest. Is that? Oh, wow. Well, I think yeah, I did. you walk right by me and you're like, hey. And I was like, what are you doing here? It's like, what? It's a it's a festival. That's and remember, I, I couldn't get you backstage. Oh, right. I was like, come back with us. You're cool. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they won't let me. I'm like, nah, you're with me. And they went. <laughs> and they went. They're like, no, 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 you're not cool. I was, no, no, I was, no, I was not cool. the guy, guys. And I was like, ah, that's cool. <laughs> well, then I think, that, were you at uh, Maryland Death Fest last year? I was. Yeah, because I, I ran into you. I ran into you. I thought recording I, from the van. Oh, okay. Because I thought I ran into you on the street. Um, yeah, you know we did. That's true. Yeah. Our time uh, pretty much changed that point. <laughs> so we do, uh, but we do we yeah. we do frequent the same festivals. Absolutely. And, uh, it's good to be in the same sort of uh, community. So, uh, what do you want to say about the agenda of Swine Track? Agenda Swine. That's my boy Pete from Vietnam. Pete Koff, uh, Pete, if you're listening, hey, what's up? Uh, very interesting dude, probably the nicest guy I've ever met wow. uh, through music. Um, he was in Benoam, he's in a band called uh, Lie, Lie Still, and a Dennis Line, which we last put out a couple years ago. Great grindcore record, I just don't think a lot of people know about it. Great track, awesome band. Yeah, I just think people need to kind of get on board with this. Excellent. Well, Blake, thank you for, um, we're going to go to those songs in a minute, and I just want to thank you for, you know, for, for opening up your tastes to, <laughs> to the masses here, you know, because it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a great playlist, and, um, 
and you're the man. You, you've got. Let me apologize to your uh, office listeners. Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I always get these like the, these comments from the people that are in the office saying something like, you know, my boss just walked by and looked at me, or the guy next to me is, you know, giving me these faces, or they're like, you know, I'm jumping up and down on my chair now, just hit my head on the drop ceiling, you know. <laughs> like they, they have their ways of coping with, you know, with aggressive music. You know, in the office, yeah. and and thank God that that they have it, you know? right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's probably one of the things that that keeps them sane. So there's I no apology. The if I didn't have music, I'd be, mm-hmm. be falling down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Blake, thanks very much, and um, no, you know, thank you. And what you bring to to Pig Destroyer and to the other bands that you've been in is 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 really awesome, and uh, I'm I'm pleased as punch to have had you on my program. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Blake Harrison, Pig Destroyer, and that's the uh, the real, uh, uh, I guess Facebook, the real <laughs> the real Pig Destroyer, and then uh, Blake has also mentioned his uh, old school fanzine site that his friend runs called sendbackmystamps.org. Right. right. Blake. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, stay tuned.
And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.